Our title this morning is Who is the Captain of Your Ship? I think that's a good question. Who is the captain of your ship? And I've written in your notes this morning that your confidence will increase or decrease according to who your captain is. And our thought, the key thought for us this morning is that Jesus is our captain and he has been made perfect through suffering. Hebrews 2 verse 10. We're going to look this morning at some of the ways that, that, that Jesus comes to us and what he does for us. And, and one of these ways is he becomes our captain. And we're going to look at that as we go through Hebrews chapter 2. The first thing I wanted to say was that through him we have salvation. And we're going to read from uh, Hebrews 2 verse 1. It says, since all this is true, that's all that's happened in chapter 1, we ought to pay much closer attention than ever to the truths that we have heard, lest in any way this we should drift past them and slip away. Verse 2. For if the message given through angels, and I'm reading from the Amplified, it says the law spoken by them to Moses, if that was authentic and proved sure, and every violation and disobedience received an appropriate, just and adequate penalty, I can near talk, how shall we escape appropriate retribution if we neglect and refuse to pay attention to such a great salvation as is now offered to us? if we let it drift past us. For it was declared at first by the Lord himself and it was confirmed to us and proved to be real and genuine by those who personally heard Jesus speak. And besides that, it was also established and plainly endorsed by God who showed his approval with signs and wonders and various miracles, manifestations of his power and by imparting the gifts of the Holy Spirit to the believers according to his own will. I want to stop there. We're going to just take this in sections as we go through. And the first thing I wanted to say to you was that this first section shows us that when God gave the law, that's the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament and all the law that went with that, that law proved to be true. Because if you know, if you were selfish and if you broke the law, if you if you stole or you 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 were you, you coveted your your neighbour's husband or wife or whatever, whenever you gave in and you broke the law, then pain results. And we've seen that because when, when people are selfish and, and break God's law as it is given in the Old Testament, it brings pain. So it starts off, this today starts off by saying that we know that the law is right. We know the Old Testament, that that's the, in fact, it's still the law of the land. The old, based on the Old Testament. And so it, what this word today is saying, yet we know that the Old Testament was right and, and we had to give it, you know, it was right to take notice of it. But how much more should we take notice of this new revelation of this great salvation? Because you see, the law could do nothing except make us see how guilty we were. Because do you remember Jesus said, he said, if you sum up all of the law, it means you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your, all your, your thoughts and thinking and everything else, all your heart, and your neighbour as yourself. So Jesus said, really, you have to love me first, then love other people, and then love yourself. That's the order that we're meant to live in. But none of us have been able to keep that up because so often we're thinking of ourselves first. Would you agree with me? So we all broke the, the law that was given in the, in the Old Testament, the law that Jesus uh, summarised it as. We've broken that law. 
But listen, we have got great news this morning because we have been brought into something different because when Jesus came, he came to fulfill the law. He came to, to live a perfect life and to live up to the standard of the law so that he could be the perfect sacrifice to die for our sins. So that we could receive forgiveness and his righteousness could be put actually onto us and we could become righteous in Christ. That is the good news of the gospel. And you see, the law only condemned us. But Galatians actually tells us that it pointed us to Christ. It condemned us. But in fact, some of the translation says that the law was a bit like a school teacher that pointed us to Jesus, that he was going to fulfill it and he was going to become our saviour. And you see, we need to know that the law, the law pointed to something better. And we need to know that Jesus is a better salvation we have one that we can look to and by faith in christ we can experience forgiveness healing freedom deliverance in fact isaiah 61 and luke 4 are mission are the mission statement that jesus gave isaiah 61 prophesying that a messiah would come who would set the captives free who would bring good news who would who would forgive those who were in need who would who would set at liberty those who were bound who would heal the brokenhearted that's the good news that Jesus came to fulfill. And in the New Testament, in Luke 4, Jesus repeated what was said in Isaiah 61, and he said, I'm the one. I'm the Messiah. I've come to heal the brokenhearted. And then he adds something to it. He says, and I've come to give recovery of sight to the blind. You see, a lot of us are spiritually blind. But when we trust Jesus, he gives us spiritual sight that we can see something of this wonderful salvation that Jesus died to give us. And so uh, the first heading in our notes today is that through Jesus you have a great salvation which is much superior to the law. That's, that's what these first verses are saying. And in fact, uh, this salvation will not only heal our broken hearts and set us free and deliver us from evil, It'll, not only will it do that, but this great salvation empowers and equips us to live for God because we have been given the Holy Spirit. And I wanted to read to you just a couple of verses from John chapter 16 because Jesus said that it's good if I go away, I was going back up to the Father, because when I go away, the Comforter, the Counselor, the Healer, the Holy Spirit, the one who's your Advocate, the one who's your Strengthener, the one who is your Standby, it says in the Amplify, this Holy Spirit will come into close fellowship with you. But Jesus said, if I don't, if, but if I go away, I will send him to you to be in close fellowship with you. And then Jesus went on to say that when the Holy Spirit of truth comes, that he will guide you into all truth. So you're not only healed of a broken heart, he doesn't only want to set you free. But he wants to bring you this good news of salvation to open your eyes to the fact that when you trust Jesus as your saviour, you receive the Holy Spirit, he lives in you, and he will show you truth. And he will be your helper, your advocate, the one who is there to be your comforter, your intercessor, the one who will strengthen you. We have the Holy Spirit who's, who, who wants to, to do and to be all of this to us. It goes on, Jesus went on to say, because the Holy Spirit will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell whatever he hears from the Father, and, and he will give the message that has been given to him. So he's listening to the Father and the Son, and he's telling you what's happening in heaven. 
Isn't that amazing? You have the Holy Spirit in you and you can actually, the Holy Spirit can, can speak to you and tell you what God the Father and God the Son are talking about and discussing in heaven. Now, is that not amazing? That's what Jesus said. You have the Holy Spirit. You have supernatural power inside you. And, and at the moment of salvation, you're given this Holy Spirit. And Jesus went on to say that, that, uh, that, that the Holy Spirit will honour and glorify Jesus because he will take and draw upon what is from Jesus and he will reveal it and declare it and disclose it and transmit it to you. Now that's amazing. The Holy Spirit can let you know what Jesus wants to say to you. That's what you have. You have the Holy Spirit. And in verse 15 of, uh, of John 16, Jesus went on to say, Everything that the Father has is mine. And that is what I meant when I said that he, the Spirit, will take the things that are mine and will reveal and declare and disclose and transmit them to you. In a little while, you will no longer see me, Jesus said. I'm going back to the Father. But then after a short while, you will see me. Listen, we are living now in the in-between stage. Jesus has gone back to heaven. He's given us his Holy Spirit. His Holy Spirit is in us. He can tell us and show us the things that's going on. He can help us and strengthen us. He can give us all that we need. But Jesus is saying, listen, it's just for a little while because I'm coming back again. This is the good news of the gospel. This is the great salvation. And not only does he do all of that for us, but John 1, 1 John 1, 7-9 tells us that we have this possibility of being cleansed every day from defilement because we're still not in heaven we've still got an old nature that will lead us the wrong way so we still get things wrong but the thing is that, that the bible says that if we walk in the light as he is in the light and, and a fellowship one with another that the holy spirit the holy spirit comes and cleanses us from all sin that happens every day as we come and say lord i'm sorry i fouled up yesterday i did something wrong this morning but i'm just asking you please forgive me wash me clean again and we are washed completely clean again that we can have this uninterrupted fellowship with the Holy Spirit. Is that not a great salvation? And I just feel this morning that I need to declare that, that we have a great salvation, which is, you don't have to be thinking that you're always a failure. Listen, by the power of the Holy Spirit, he will write the law of God in your heart, that you will know how to, how to walk in and obey the Lord. And yes, we have, it, we have it all in the Old Testament, all those rules and regulations, but we can't keep rules and regulations in our own power. We need the Holy Spirit to come and fill us and to empower us to, to live the life that God wants us to live because that's the life of joy. Keeping his word and living with him and doing things his way leads us to a life of joy. So this is the good news that we have been given by the Holy Spirit. And you know, this past week, this past two weeks, in fact, this past three weeks since we started EGALS, I have just had lots of little, tiny little things that have been going wrong, little technical things, not, not big things, but did you ever feel a bit overwhelmed by little things going wrong? And this week I just was thinking, I'm just feeling a bit overwhelmed. And you know, I just wanted to say to you that that can happen. We can feel overwhelmed by the stuff that's coming at us. On Sunday, I was kind of getting all panicky because lots of things had gone wrong with computers, a phone dipped in water, no longer working. You know, all of these things, just the little things that spoil your joy, you know. And on Sunday, I was like, oh, I don't know how I'm going to cope this week. I've that much to do this week. I don't know how I'm going to get through it. And then it was just like God said, look, just come to me. And I was reminded, I opened the Bible, and it said, you know, when I'm overwhelmed, I can come to the rock who is greater than I. 
And I just felt, God, that's what I need. I don't need to be trying and striving to get a message for you girls. Because I didn't have a message for you girls. I, I just needed him. And then I said, I know if I come to you and sit in your presence that you'll work this out and you'll give me up the strength and the wisdom and the timing for all the things that are in my week. And, you know, once I just came to him and spent a bit of time with him and got under the shadow of that rock, just sat in his presence, you know, it wasn't, honestly, girls, it wasn't half an hour till I felt things calming down. And, you know, sometimes it's those little things that can feel as if they are overwhelming. It says in Psalm 61, When my heart is overwhelmed, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Psalm 65 says, You are the confidence of all the ends of the earth. Listen, whenever you're feeling overwhelmed, you can have confidence. You can be a confident woman because of the God that you belong to. You can have confidence. It goes on to say in the New Living Translation in Psalm 65, for, your, for you, Lord, answer our prayers. All of us must come to you. Though we are overwhelmed by our sins, you forgive them all. And then it says in Psalm 66, you quieten the raging oceans with their pounding waves. You know, my little issues were nothing. This morning, we're leaving here early this morning. We're, we're having to finish early and be out of here by 12 o'clock because a funeral is coming here where a young woman of 25 years old died, leaving an 11-week-old baby. And, and so, you know, these things happen. We're living in a world where bad things happen. But listen, God can take us through the, the things that pound us. He can take us through stormy seas as well as these little things that are like little foxes that, that spoil the vine, these little things that irritate us. God can, the things that seem to overwhelm us, he can, he can take us through. He can be the captain of our ship. He can take us through the pounding waves. Now, I have proved that in my own life through loss and through bereavement. And I know many of you have too. And we want to declare today that God is greater He's greater than anything that can come against us. And he's the God who can actually turn the things that come against us into something that in the long term will be used for his glory. Don't ask me how he does it, but he does. And so I've written and left little space in your notes that you can write down the promises that are in these Psalms that I've given you, Psalm 61, 65 and 66. And I just feel it's important when you get home or some quiet time to write down the things that God speaks to you through those Psalms. Write them down and then start to declare them over your life. Because the Bible says that life and death is in the power of the tongue. And when you start to declare these things and start to declare victory over your life, something happens, your emotions change. And something happens that you begin to get on top of things and you begin to know God's presence again. So first of all, through him you have a great salvation which is superior to the Old Testament law. And through him you've been chosen instead of angels. I just think this is a really important one. Hebrews 2 verses 5 to 8. We're just going to read through these and I know we have a deadline to get out of here. If we don't get it all finished, that's okay. We'll, we'll get it another time. But uh, we're going to look at these verses in Hebrews 2. Verse 4 says, uh, sorry, verse 5 says, For it was not to angels that God subjected the habitable world of the future of which we are speaking. It has been solemnly and earnestly said in a certain place, What is man that you're mindful of him, or the son of man that you graciously and helpfully care for and visit and look after him. For some little time you have ranked man lower and inferior to the angels. You have crowned him 
with glory and honour and set him over the works of your hands. Now, those of you might, some of you might know that that's a direct reference from Psalm 8, which is talking about how God made man. And it says in verse, uh, verse 8, For you have put everything in subjection under his feet. That's under humanity. That's us. Now, in putting everything in subjection to man, the Lord left nothing outside of man's control. But at present, we do not yet see all things subjected to him. Now, I know that's maybe a bit hard to kind of grasp, but I want to make it real simple to you. You see, Psalm 8 says that God, when God made man, he made us a little lower than the angels. That's because uh, we were earthbound. And, and in rank, we were made a little lower than the angels. But the angels were standing looking in amazement because they couldn't believe that God was going to crown us and make us in, in the image of God. They're not in the image of God. The angels were looking on in amazement because they couldn't believe that, that God was making us human, frail, frail little us, making us in the image of God and he was actually going to give us the dominion and the power to rule this planet earth. The angels couldn't believe that. And you know, we lost it all because of the sin in the Garden of Eden. We lost the glory, we lost the honour that God crowned us with because of what happened, because of what we call the fall because we lost everything because of our sin. But you see, that's why Jesus came to earth, because he wanted to restore what we had lost. And he wants, he wants you to know that he chose the angels to rule this planet. He, sorry, he chose us to rule this planet instead of the angels. And when Jesus went to the cross, we're going to see in a moment that he chose to become lower than the angels because he chose to become like us. So that he could go through death and he could lift us up again and put the honour and glory back on our heads again that we could rule this planet. And listen, the amazing thing is that one day we're going to rule with him. Because he's going to set up a new kingdom, a new heaven and a new earth. And listen, we are going to reign with him. I've written in your notes that we are his chosen ones. And we've been given spiritual authority, although we will not experience the full implication of ruling with Christ until a future date when Jesus sets up his kingdom. Romans 5 and 17 says that through the sin of one man, that's Adam, death reigned because of his sin. It, it infected all of us. Everyone born after Adam, Adam was born in sin and death ruled over us. But it goes on to say, but through the death of one, that's Jesus, through the death of one, those of us who receive salvation and the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. That means you can start to reign over your life right now and Christ will help you in agreement with the Lord Jesus in your heart and by his Holy Spirit. You can start to reign. You don't have to be one that's always failing and failing. But if you do, he'll lift you up again. But he wants to bring you to that point where you can begin to be a ruler over your own life where you're not going to take everything the enemy throws at you. And God wants you to know that is his plan for you. And so we need to realise that we're chosen. Now, I just think it's really important that we get this. First of all, that we have this great salvation and that, that, that we have a rock that's higher than we are and we can run into his shadow. That's good news. That's good news for us. That we belong to a strong, a strong saviour who is able to help us and, and stop us being overwhelmed by the things of life. But we also need to know that he has chosen us. 
And I think it would be good, and I put it in your notes, that when you go home, that you would read Ephesians 1. And you would realise that in Ephesians 1, that you would realise that Jesus Christ chose you before the foundations of the world. That you would realise that he chose you above the angels. Look, he could have set the angels over him, but he chose you. And you know, knowing that you're chosen is the antidote to rejection. Is there anybody in here today and you've suffered from feeling rejected? you felt that you haven't been loved. you felt rejection coming on you. Listen, I break the power of rejection over your life right now. And in Jesus' name, I declare that you have been chosen before the foundations of the world. That you were chosen in the womb to belong to God. And that he has a purpose for your life and it is to rule. And all of us are infected by rejection. All of us at one time or another in our lives, we have all suffered the pain. Rejection is painful when we feel we're not wanted we're rejected but it says that jesus was despised and rejected of man he took your rejection so you wouldn't have to carry it you're chosen you need to know that this morning i think there's some people in here this morning and you need to know that god has chosen you because he loves you and you are not rejected so as we look on to the next few verses let's just read on from hebrews 2 we're good we're getting through this rightly aren't we I am watching my time. Okay, Hebrews 2, verses 9 to 10, it says, But, it, it, says, it says, first of all, at present we do not see, verse 8, all the things subjected to man. That's because Jesus hasn't set up his, his kingdom yet. So we're not in complete control yet, but we will be. It says, But we see Jesus, who was ranked lower than the angels for a little while, and he is now crowned with glory and honour because of his having suffered death in order that by the grace of God... He might experience death for every single person. For it was an act worthy of God and fitting to the divine nature that he, as Jesus, for whose sake and by whom all things have their existence, he made everything. It, it, it was fitting for him to come to this earth to bring many sons to glory. That he should be the captain or the pioneer or the champion of their salvation. It says that, that, um, that, he should, that he would be brought to maturity, the human experience necessary to be perfectly equipped uh, to be our captain or to be our high priest through suffering. I, I don't know what it says in your translation, but here's what I want to say to you to make this real simple. Jesus Christ chose you. And then he chose to become lower than angels that he could come down into this earth, know what it was like to live in a human body. Now, he was always perfect, but your Bible will say that he was made perfect. That doesn't mean that there was anything wrong with him at any time. He was always perfect. But he became perfectly equipped through being limited and knowing what it was like to be limited in a human body. God made us, but he, he didn't know what it was like to be one of us. And so when he lived in a body like ours and he suffered the limitations of the body and he, and he knew what it was to suffer pain, when he knew what that was, when he knew what it was to go through death, when he experienced death, then he became a perfect person. Do you get it? He was always perfect, but because of his sufferings, he became a perfect person to be our captain. Listen, we need a captain. Do you ever watch that, that advertisement on television for the, the Guinness or something? 
and the boys are working and then they get up, I'm the captain of my own ship and all. I hate that ass. I do not want to be the captain of my own ship, do you? I tell you, I wouldn't belong in the reef. I want a captain and his name's Jesus. And I want him to take the steer. I want him to take the helm of my ship. Do you want him to take the helm of your ship? Because he's the one who's been made perfect to be your captain, to be your champion, to be your pioneer. And listen, you know what he did? He went through death. Now listen, there's a funeral today and we've been praying in that prayer room earlier and there's been a lot of prayers going up. But I want you to get this, that Jesus Christ went through death and he overcame death. You need to know that death doesn't have the last and final say. He went through it and you know the wonderful thing is that he went through it in triumph and he came out uh, overcoming sin and death and hell. You see, when he died, and I, we haven't time to go into all of this, maybe sometime we will in more detail, but according to the scriptures in the Old Testament, hope you can stick with me in this, in the Old Testament, whenever people died, they went to a place called Hades, and there was a division between those who, who loved God and those who didn't. You can read that in, in Luke 16. Remember that story of Luke 16? It was like there was a division between, it talks about a, a great gulf between the two. But you see, whenever Jesus died on the cross, do you remember the thief beside him? He said, today you'll be with me in paradise. Now paradise was the, the compartment in Hades where the, the ones who loved God were waiting. And whenever Jesus died, he knew that he was going to go down into death and he was going to go right down into Hades and he was going to let loose all the Old Testament saints that were waiting. And then with them, he was going to go up in a great big train and he was going to lead them up into heaven in victory and they were going to follow in behind for the celebrations of heaven that death was overcome. That's an amazing picture. Do you get it? Death doesn't have the final say. We have, we have a God who is sitting in heaven and listen, your loved ones are there. And we need, to, we need to know that God is a God who brings those who love him, he brings, him, brings us right into heaven. Now, we haven't time to read a lot of these scriptures, but I really think it would be good for you to, to read them whenever you get home. Psalm 24 it gives us a little glimpse, because sometimes we read that and, and we don't realise what it is. It says, open up the gates and let the king of glory in. I think that was prophetically written, prophetically written for Jesus with the train of people coming behind him, all taken out in victory, out of, out of Hades and brought straight into heaven. And so we have a God who has overcome. He is the captain and the pioneer of our salvation and he has been made perfect to take us through life and even to take us through death. I just felt today, as I was, or this week as I was preparing for this, I really felt like God was saying to me, I felt the Holy Spirit whispering to me, you need to make sure that they hear it, that death has been defeated. I felt that so strong this week, that we need to declare that, that death doesn't have any hold over us, and that we are people who have a hope and a future, and that God is our captain, Jesus is our captain. We want to move on quickly to Hebrews 2, verses 11 to 16. It says, for both he who sanctifies, that's Jesus, he's the, sanctifies means to set you apart for himself. So he who sanctifies, that's Jesus, uh, he who makes men holy, uh, and those who are sanctified, that's us. Uh, so the one who makes us sanctified is Jesus, and we're the ones who are sanctified. And it says, we have one Father, and for this reason, Jesus is not ashamed to call us brethren. 
For he says, I will declare your, your, that's the Father's name, to my brethren. In the midst of the, of the worshipping congregation, I will sing hymns of praise to you. I don't know in your Bible whether you um, have a, a little footnote there of Psalm 22, 22. And I'll put your hand up if that's a wee note in your Bible, Psalm 22, 22. I'm going to read that to you in a wee moment because that's very, very significant. So here we have Jesus and he's saying that he is now taking the place of a brother. So he's not only our saviour, he's not only the one who has given us a great salvation, he's not only our captain, but he said, I'm your brother. I don't know if you've had a good experience of having a brother or a bad experience. I have three brothers and they're absolutely fantastic. So I love the idea of Jesus being my brother because my brothers have always taken care of me, always been there for me. A godly brother is a great gift. And Jesus is saying, I'm your brother. And, and listen, I just feel as, well, let's just read the rest of it here, 11 to, to up to 16. It says, and again, he says, my trust and assured reliance and confident hope shall be fixed in him. And yet again, here I am, I and the children whom God has given me. So this is Jesus speaking, verse 14. Since therefore these his children share in flesh and blood in the physical nature of human beings, he himself, that's Jesus, in a similar manner partook of the same nature he became human like us, that by going through death he might bring to nothing and make of no effect him who had the power of death, that is, the devil. Do you get that? And also, verse 15, that he might deliver and completely set free all those who through the haunting fear of death were held in bondage throughout the whole course of their lives. For as we know, he, Christ, did not take hold of angels. He didn't choose angels, or even the fallen angels. He didn't give them a helping hand, but he did take hold of us, the fallen descendants of Abraham, to reach out to them and to give them a helping and delivering hand. So what I'm saying is that Jesus has gone through death for us, and he wants you to know he wants you to know he's not ashamed of you and he wants you to know that he has destroyed the power of death. He's destroyed the power of the devil. He's destroyed it completely. And I love what it says in, um, in 1 John 3, verse 8. He destroyed the works of the devil, it says. Colossians 2, 13 says, We were dead, but he made us alive and wiped out all that was against us and nailed it to his cross, disarming principalities and powers, that's all of Satan's kingdom, he made a public spectacle of them and triumphed over them. So when he died on the cross, he just made a fool of Satan and he triumphed over everything, over death, over everything. But here's the thing I wanted to get across to you today, and I think this is really important, and I think it's really beautiful, that Jesus says that he has chosen, he's not ashamed to call you his brothers and sisters. Now in this case, it's sisters. I put a wee note and just in case of a little bit of confusion, you know, the men are called the bride, right? So the bride of Christ includes the men. So when it talks about us being sons or brothers, it, it includes the, us as well. So it, we need to know this is about him saying, these are my sisters. This is about Jesus saying, she is my sister. I love her. I became like her and I'm identifying with her and I'm here for her. And here's the amazing thing now, Psalm 22 verse 22 and I just think this is an amazing prophecy Psalm 22 as a lot of you will probably know is a psalm that um, was a prophetic psalm and it was a psalm that told us 
hundreds and hundreds of years before Jesus came, it described in detail the suffering that Jesus went through on the cross. Now you need to know that when this psalm was written, there was no such thing as crucifying someone on a cross. That was unknown back then. This particular means of death was something the Romans cooked up. And this is what happened to Jesus. So it's a, it's a total supernatural thing that Psalm 22 gives us the exact way that a person dies when they die on a cross, when they're crucified. And I want to read to you uh, some of Jesus' uh, sufferings. And here's what it says in verse 17 of Psalm 22. I can count all my bones. Now you need to know that when you're being crucified, the bones get all, every bone in your body gets dislocated. It's the most excruciating pain. That's why they call it crucifixion. It comes from the word excruciating. It's the most painful means of death. And this is, this is prophetically saying, this is how Jesus was going to die. I can count all my bones. Verse 18. They part my clothing among them and cast lots for my raiment. Do you remember they took Jesus' garment and they tore it? Remember they, they shook the, the, the dice and they, 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 um, they, parted, they gave it around and cast lots for his raiment. Verse 19, he's crying out to his father, but be not far from me, O Lord, my help. Hasten to and help me. This is Jesus. This is describing Jesus' suffering on the cross. Verse 20, Jesus, this is his, the word describing what Jesus would say on the cross. Deliver my life from the sword, from the power of the dog, the agent of execution. Save me from the lion's mouth, for you have answered me from the horns of the wild oxen. He's describing what it was like to be on the cross and to know that the devil himself was coming after him and that he was in such agony. And in the midst of all of that suffering, bones sticking out, feeling he's overwhelmed with suffering, in the midst of it all, look what it says in verse 22. He says, I will declare your name. That's his father's name. I will declare your name, Father, to my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise you. Now, what does that mean? It means that prophetically speaking, we were told about his suffering. But we were also told that in the midst of the worst of suffering, that Jesus was thinking of you. That he said to his father, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell them about you, Father. I'm going to tell my brothers and sisters about you, Father God. He knew that was why he was going through the suffering. He knew that was why he was dying. And listen, you need to know that in the midst of his worst suffering, you were on his heart. There's, there's a, a song we used to sing. Well, I can't remember what it was, but the words were that, you know, I can't remember exactly what they were. If anybody does, shout them out. Uh, they were about when, when he was on the cross, I was on his heart. I was on his mind. When he was on the cross, I was on his mind. Thank you, Helen. You need to know that. When he was dying on the cross, he was thinking of you. That's supernatural. That is what, that's the kind of God. And he's saying, Father, I'm not ashamed to say they're my brothers. He said, Father, they're on my mind. I'm identifying with them. They're my sisters and brothers. This is the kind of God that we have. You have a brother who's not ashamed of you. Why are you carrying shame today? Why are you carrying shame? Jesus died to take shame off you. There's nothing for you to be ashamed about. Jesus has taken your shame. He has taken all your guilt and all your shame. And he wants you to be free of it. And he's saying right now to his father, I'm not ashamed of them. I own them as my sisters. 
He's brought us into his family. We need to know we've been adopted into the family of God. And, and Romans 8, and we're needing to watch our time, we're about to finish in a moment. Romans 8 tells us that we've been brought into the family, that we can call our father Abba, Father. What does Abba mean? It means Daddy. We can, we can call our Father in heaven Daddy God. We can come into his presence and we know that we are heirs with Christ. Not only are we, are we his sisters, we're brought into the family. God is our Father. Jesus says, you are my joint heirs. Because we are sisters of Christ, we are joint heirs with Christ. It goes on to say, if you read it, we haven't time to read it now, we'll do it next week. Read it when you go home. That in Romans 8, it says that we can, in view of all of this, we can go through the suffering. We can share the suffering of this Jesus. We can go through the hard stuff in life because Jesus has proved his love. He has overcome sin and death and hell. We are victorious because of what Jesus has done. We haven't time to read it all, but it goes on to say in the last few verses of um, of Hebrews uh, uh, 2, it goes on to say that he also is our high priest who understands us. Over the weeks to come, we'll be looking more about what it means for Jesus to be your high priest. A high priest is one who stands between you and God, one who's continually a go-between, one who's continually linking you to the Father. We need to know that Jesus is our high priest. And at the end of this, I want to read this and then we're finished. At the end of Hebrews 2, it says this. This is what it says about our high priest. Okay, it says at the very end, um, because Jesus himself has suffered what it's like to be human, because he has suffered what it's like to be tempted and tried and tested, he is able, listen to this, he is able, the Amplified says, immediately, not next week, but immediately to run to the cry of those who are being tempted and tested and tried and to assist and relieve them to those who are being exposed to suffering. Listen, if you've got a problem today, if you've got something that you need help with, you cry out to Jesus because he's your captain and he's your high priest and he's your brother and he's right there for you. And I just feel when you get home today, you need to go through these notes, read as much as you can, fill them in, write it down. I've written at the end of this, write your own personal statement of what today's teaching means to you. And the question I want to leave you with today is this. Your captain is more than able to sail your ship. Are you ready to hand over the controls into his hands? He will be a brother to you and a great high priest. God is with you as you go today. God wants you to know that he loves you. He wants you to know that nothing is too difficult for him. And he wants you to know that in Christ you are victorious. You are victorious. For those of you who have no hope, you need to know that there is hope. I was telling them very quickly as we finish, I was telling them in the prayer room that uh, a little simple thing, just a little simple thing, on Sunday I, I accidentally broke my phone in water, it was lying in water for quite a while, my mobile phone went completely dead, brought it home, put it into rice, did all we were told to do, went completely dead, burning hot, then everything gone, kept it in the rice for ages. Uh, it was there on Monday, uh, Sunday, it was there all day yesterday. And last night a friend phoned and said, that happened to me one time, you know, and I thought my phone was gone. And she says, do you know what I did? I put it between two hot water bottles, rolled a big towel around it and left it overnight. And she says, it came back on again. 
So last night, Jane and I filled two hot water bottles. And I said, in faith, Jane, we're putting this in. Put it between the two hot water bottles, wrapped it up in a towel, set it on the desk. Jane, she was laughing at me. She was scoffing with unbelief. <laughs> this morning at six o'clock, Jane came down, went over to look at the thing. Starting to flash. I'm using my mobile phone. I think this is a sign to us. Don't be hopeless over things that look as if they're gone. God is the overcomer. He, he can restore what you think has been lost. He can do more for you than you ever imagined. Thank you, Father, for your word today. May you be with everyone, Lord, today as they're going to come in now look for this funeral. Would you be with and comfort and bless and be a high priest to everyone today, Lord, who comes in here. And for every woman who leaves, Lord, may they leave with hope. May they know that they can have confidence in their captain. May they hand all the controls over to him and may they trust you, Lord, in every situation and give everything to you and know that you will fight for them and that you will steer them through the worst of waters. You'll bring them through into your harbour, into all that you have for them. In Jesus' name, amen. We are here. We're going to just play some music as you leave. If there's something that you feel you do want a quick agreement with, we'll be here for a few minutes, but we need to clear this building by 12 o'clock for everyone to come in. So thank you so much for your patience and for all that's happened today. God bless you in Jesus' name.